0: Hey everyone, my name is Yero and you're listening to the Daydream Wars Podcast. Thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time. I'm really, really excited to share this episode because I'm speaking to Emily Cross, who is such an inspiring end of life doula or death doula. And yeah, I, I got so much out of this conversation and I really hope you will too. Emily was one of the first people that I came across when I first got interested in end of life Care and possibly training myself. And I had a session with her last year where we talked about the kinds of training that I might be doing. And so she's really helped me clarify um, the direction that I'm taking in with this work. And I'm just so eternally fascinated with what she's doing and how she's approaching this really, yeah, this really deep and important field of work. And so Please check her out, she's wonderful. She has YouTube videos, her website is beautiful. She does a lot of different things around end of life care, but the thing that we talked about the most today for this interview was um, the living funeral ceremonies that she's offering. They used to be local and she was touring with them and I was like, oh my God, I hope they'll be in Scotland one day. And not a virtual because, you know, there's no other way of doing them right now. And I'm super excited to be participating in one um, next Friday on the 5th and I'll link to that in the show notes so if you want to join that please feel free to check that out. I think this is for you if you really have space and capacity right now to contemplate your own mortality and you're excited about thinking about death which maybe sounds weird to some people which I totally get. Um, but to me it feels good you know because I think this fear is there anyway and I am looking forward to being in a space with other people who want to talk about it together and see what comes up so yeah thank you so much for kind of joining me and coming along with this new direction that the podcast is taking towards exploring end of life death grief loss but also art making and meaning making and I just feel like this year there's a sense of going deeper into these conversations. Um, and I'm excited for that. And I'm really grateful you're listening. So I will stop waffling now and just share the interview with with you. And I yeah, really hope that you'll check Emily's work out. And maybe I'll see some of you at the virtual living funeral ceremony. Thank you. As you know I love it so much when my interviews begin with giggles. I'm speaking to the wonderful Emily Cross who's running a business called Steady Waves End of Life Services and I came across her work last autumn or late summer when I was beginning to be interested in um, training as a deaf doula and end of life work in general and I first watched a video on YouTube and absolutely loved it. And was like, oh my God, I need to meet this person. (laughs) And then we had a session, I think that must have been like maybe September, October. And eventually I did then decide on doing a training um, that Emily has also done. And I'm just so happy to be in touch because I think we share a lot of ideas and values. And Emily is doing something that I'm particularly excited about I know I'm using this word a lot but it's really true (laughs) Emily is offering virtual um, living funerals and I hope to hear a little bit more about that in this interview so Emily thank you so much for taking the time I'm really excited to speak to you thank you (laughs) can you begin by telling us a little bit more about how you came into end of life work
1: sure um so yeah I'm I'm a musician um have been for a number of years now. I do music for uh, well, live music and also for TV and film and things. So that was my primary job. But around the year two thousand fifteen, I decided that I would like to try to kind of find a side career to run alongside my music because if if anyone is a musician, they know that it is extremely um, uh, uncertain career path. And I, yeah, I just was feeling a yearning to find another, another career path, um, that can go along with me as I, as I age and grow. And so I was, that, that was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't kind of actively seeking. Um, but I was driving one day and something came on NPR. Um, I turned on the radio and they were talking about death doulas. And I've always kind of been interested in mortality and um, these conversations around death and dying. Um, I've made art about it and music about it, and it's always kind of fascinated me. And so my ears perked up. And when they were talking about uh, end of life doulas being this non medical presence at the end of life, immediately I was thinking this is my job. Like, this is what I would be good at. I just knew it intuitively. And I became so excited by the prospect of this actually being a career because before hearing about that, I thought that, you know, to work at the end of life, you had to go um, do medical training. You had to be a nurse. And I'm really not the type of person who is comfortable around um, blood or, anything like that so I uh yeah I went home and I I searched on the internet about end of life doulas and uh I I found a training program in my local area and I signed up the same day and I started there Mm -hmm.
0: that's so beautiful I love that you're intuitively new even though it's probably not something that a lot of people have heard about or would conventionally consider a career choice right right um, <laughs> so I'm wondering like what do you love about this work and how what was it like to get started I wonder I'm, I'm sure there have been so many questions as you were kind of exploring how, what exactly that could look like
1: yeah I think what attracted me to the work and what I really love about it is the uh Connection is really the basis for this work, and, and being present. And I love connecting with people. I love learning about people. I love, I love uh, offering my talents um, to people who who might need them. And by talents, I just mean like maybe um, music or holding space. Or, or cooking, or whatever. I think that I just innately love to serve people for whatever reason. Um, so that attracted me to it. And also, I, I feel well. People have told me that I have a calming effect on them, and people have also told me that I speak in like a monotone, which is really funny to me. <laughs> um, I don't think I do but uh, so yeah I thought maybe that would make it the the work easier for me because I feel calm a lot of the time and I am able to kind of diffuse situations in that way um, in situations where emotions are heightened and difficult things are being talked about and I think also, I am really big on communication and honesty, and, and I, I am, am very passionate about people's um, rights at the end of life and them having agency until the end and getting what they want and need, and also doctors being honest and communicative about the reality of the patient situation. So um, yeah, those are the things that I really love about the work. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. But it really does make a big difference. This communication and just presence, and you know, the more practical aspects of the work are fine. Um, it all contributes to a sense of overall peace. I'm talking about paperwork and and organization of belongings and things like that. But really, the heart of it to me is is um, compassion and and presence and communication mm-hmm. and and love. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um,
0: thank you. I also feel like even if we're not do- dying actively right now or have, a, have been given a certain time or a diagnosis or we're really old, it's really beautiful to work with a doula to just explore our own understanding of death and dying and what our wishes are. Actually, maybe especially when we're young and have no like technically no reason to do
1: that. So is that also
0: part of your work?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I actually have, have had quite a few clients who, who are young and or not dying or have a terminal diagnosis or anything who just want to talk about it. And I love that. I love doing that so much because I have seen how powerful it can be to contemplate mortality in a real way even you know at any stage of life, regardless of health and age. Um, and I know for myself, it's made my life so much better just thinking about death more, so much more fulfilled and happy and calm to be surrounded by these conversations about end of life. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of my work too
0: yeah I feel the same like I, <clears throat> I just really feel a lot more peaceful um and i'm a lot more resilient around grief now that I've been thinking and working with death a lot more um something that really fascinated when I first fascinated me when I first came across your website was that you're offering living funerals, and I would love to talk about the group ones that you're offering in a moment, but the other thing that you're also offering is um living funerals for people who are going to die probably quite soon. And that was really like, I really, I just became so emotional about that and was like, wow, this is so beautiful. And I really wish that this, you know, this is on my radar. And if, if that happened to me, if I was in a situation where I needed to say goodbye, I would so love to work with someone who can help me think about how, I can do that in a meaningful way and how I want to spend my time and
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: what my wishes are. But also I was thinking like, wow, to to spend the day and evening with all my loved ones and then for that to be this moment where we're all going to say goodbye and know that maybe some of us will not see each other again. Ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That feels so big. And I just, I was just like, wow, Emily, how are you doing that? (laughs) Can you say a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so I just think it's such a gift to give. uh, Not only, I'm speaking from a client's point of view, like if I was dying, I feel like it would be such a gift to myself and such a closure and such a beautiful experience, but also a gift for my family and my friends, and, you know, people that have affected me throughout my life, um, because I think everyone wants to say goodbye in some way, and how amazing if you can set a date, not a death date, unless you, you know, for people who are going through the um, physician-assisted um, death uh, what are they calling it now right to die where they take the medication um, not setting a death date but saying this is our chance to say goodbye this is our chance to form one last beautiful memory together while we all can um, uh, yeah just what a gift to, to have that for people for your family and and also for yourself and uh, I wish that it was a more quote unquote, normal thing to do, because I really think it's a wonderful opportunity to say things that you want to say to the person, to express love, express gratitude, and to just have fun. You know, um, death is a, a normal part of being a human. It's maybe the most normal thing about being a human, aside from being born, and we have all of these celebrations for everything else, for births, for birthdays, for holidays. Why not have one, uh, one last goodbye party as well?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wonder to kind of like ground and illustrate that even more. What kind of, <clears throat> what kind of things do people like to do at their end of life um, living
1: funeral celebration? Well, it's, it's very personal for each and different for each person, but in general, it's it really is just kind of like a party. Um, so the person, the clients would, the person who's dying would choose, you know, maybe some food to have, pick a theme. Um, people will come and maybe not bring gifts per se, but like cards or things that the person can keep in their room until they they do die. Um, but there is a theme of um open sharing a lot of the time so you know a public forum if you will to express gratitude and love for the person who is is dying so that is maybe the most moving aspect of the whole thing generally it's like the person is sitting surrounded by friends and and people will just literally be showering them with with uh love and words of gratitude and and emotions and um a lot of times pictures are looked at like slideshows and old videos and things like that um drinking and partying and music and dancing it's it's a party it's a, a lighthearted party with intense moments of of gratitude and love i would say yeah that makes sense
0: mm. and yeah, so you're also offering these for um, people who just want to be in that space and really explore their own mortality. Can you tell us a little bit more about those and how they're now online?
1: Sure. Yeah, so I first came across this idea of group living funerals when I was uh, just, you know, browsing around online, as you do. And I came across these uh, Korean mock funerals. So in South Korea, they have a really a bad problem with suicide, a high suicide rate. And this company over there uh, created this experience, this living funeral experience where, and, and it's geared towards workers. So um, the workforce, the companies will, will uh, bring their wor- workforce into these uh, like five hour workshops, essentially. Um, on a large scale, so there's you know, 50, 60 people in the room. And anyway, this short documentary showed these coffins um, in the room and, and these people in robes and sitting down and saying their last words and all this. And I was just absolutely captivated. I wanted to do one so badly. I thought it was fascinating and such a good idea. And so that began my quest to find one that I could go to without going to Korea. Um, I would have gone to Korea but I don't speak Korean so it would be a little tricky but anyway I couldn't find anyone doing them in the United States or any other English-speaking country and so I don't know what came over me but I was like yeah I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this I'm gonna go ahead and do this (laughs) so I I uh I was watching these these videos and reading these articles about this mock funeral, and the whole point really is is to reframe your mind. So you're going through this death visualization with all these other people. So it's very a uh, solo journey, but you're surrounded by people, and the people are, you know, not your family or anything. This is just for you, uh, a visualization exercise for you, and you're just you just happen to be doing it with all these other people at the same time. Um, so I watched that. I tried to kind of get a feel for the things that they do, like the flow of the ceremony, what they talk about, um, what, what they do, and then adapt it for a Western audience and something that I could create by myself, um, and maybe make bigger and travel with as well. That was my whole vision. So I spent a couple months I borrowed. I got a loan from a friend to buy the supplies that I needed, and um, and developed a script and trial and error with friends, and eventually had my first funeral ceremony, and um, with with a group of friends. And from then on, I've just been doing them like crazy. And I've at this point trained a bunch of people all over the world how to how to carry these out. And man, it's changed. People's lives. It's incredible because it's so simple. Um, basically, the, they just go in and sit down at their own memorial and they have their memorial photograph. And um, instead of coffins, I use shrouds because, well, for one, I don't have a dedicated room that I can fill with coffins uh, and people just come. I have to travel around and rent spaces, so coffins were not a practical choice. Um, so I use shrouds instead of coffins and they sit down and they contemplate their mortality through my, the script that I read. And then we do a last words writing exercise. And then um, without saying too much for people who might want to experience this, you're led through a a, a meditation where um, you visualize your body shutting down and um, I guide or any practitioner guides them through the dying process and then they are covered with the shroud and they lay quote dead for a period of time. And then I, uh, we guide them back up through to life again. And so it's a very simple few hour process, but actually experience intentionally going into a space, looking at your memorial photograph, envisioning that this is the last piece of paper you ever have access to, to communicate your, your thoughts and desires and wishes and goodbyes, and then doing this visualization and meditation really has a way of touching a part of your psyche that that cannot be touched by just, or it's di- more difficult to be touched by just thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna die," or you know, you live uh, live like you're gonna die tomorrow. Like we hear all these these things all the time, like uh, in in passing, and we all know. But for some reason, sitting intentionally sitting and looking at your memorial and and have being covered by a shroud, it just really has a way of hitting home, and so it it, tra- it changes people's lives. I mean, and they do it themselves. They do they are doing the work. We are simply giving them an opportunity to be in the space and and uh, more intensely focus on that.
0: Yeah, that that's beautiful. I really love the feeling of it being really non-dogmatic and empowering because like you said, people do the work themselves and they can go as deep as they like or feel that they can and they're just being held and facilitated in that process. But then it is super individual and I'm sure that people have really different experiences, but they're also in a group and then have the space to reflect together. And yeah. I really love the video that's on your website, um, which I would love to link to in the show notes because I think, yeah, that video is such a beautiful gateway for someone to really kind of feel into what that might be like. And I mm. tell hope that, that many people feel nervous about maybe saying yes to it. I'm super ready. <laughs> I hope we can <laughs> do. Um, but yeah, like if anyone is listening to this and feeling interested, but a bit unsure, I really recommend watching that video because it made it so much more tangible for me and Mm. yeah that's really beautiful um can you say a little bit more about how you're offering these online now and how that's different or what people can expect from that
1: yeah so when this whole pandemic and lockdown began I knew that I still wanted to be offering these living funerals and perhaps people need them more than ever now so I really worked very very hard to bring them online which was to be honest, kind of difficult to figure out how to do because it is such an in-person experience in my mind and that's obviously how it was created. And so to transition into a virtual space was, you know, it was difficult to think about. But I think that, I mean, it's been absolutely amazing. I can't believe how effective it is still. it's It blows my mind. Um, So I just altered the script a little bit Um, and really the big shift is that more of the power of Controlling the space obviously is in the participants hands. So the biggest key was to develop a a PDF that details how to set up a space how to create sort of um, an effective memorial for yourself as a participant because that power is out of my hands, because normally, obviously, I would set their spaces up and have their picture. But it's been really neat to kind of work through advising other people how to create their own sacred spaces and their own uh, memorial altars, if you will. Um, so that's the biggest piece. The biggest shift was just figuring out how to empower other people to create something that would go alongside this virtual living funeral. Um, so participants will get this PDF and they will have instruction on how to set up that space for themselves. And then, um, also the technology aspect was tricky because, uh, we're doing it over Zoom and, uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of things I could say about it. So, um, you know, the feeling of togetherness within a room. I'm trying to bring that to the virtual space. So, uh, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a disconnect because we're not all in the same room. We're not all feeling the same energy in the same in the room. And there's technical issues like um, audio issues and and uh, video issues. But all all together, it's been. I mean just amazing it's it's a different experience but a similar maybe this same or maybe even more profound outcome so uh, yeah people can sign up through the site I have uh, different practitioners offering spaces for these and you can just sign up online and you're emailed the information and the zoom link and then we proceed to do the living funeral in your own home or your own space and then we meet up at the end just like in person we meet up to talk after it's all over in the virtual space and those conversations have been uh, yeah remarkable at the end
0: yeah i can imagine and i really relate to What you're saying about the complexity of creating online spaces um i think in some ways it's so beautiful that we can connect with people across time zones and no one has to leave their home which is a barrier to some people maybe it's also more affordable if we do it on zoom but then on the other hand there's something so beautiful about being able to see other bodies and co regulating our nervous systems in the same space, and then yeah. maybe even hugging each other like, oh my God, that feels so foul right now. <laughs> I really miss hugs so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I'm so glad that you're doing this work because I think, um, you know, obviously, I don't think that anything can really take away the fear of death completely for people, maybe. Right. Actually, I don't know if that's true. Maybe there is a way, you know, like. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but I really see in myself that the more I know, the, the less I'm scared. And mm-hmm. I think with this pandemic, there's so much uncertainty, so much that we don't know. So often such a sense of powerlessness when, when we're not, I will say this very gently, but we're not in resonance with how our governments are handling the situation. Right. It just feels really vulnerable to... Um, yeah, to feel um, powerless and to not know how long this is going to last, um, when, when we'll be able to reconnect again in person and all that. So I think now is a really good time to think about death and when we're able to and have the space to confront those fears and go a little bit deeper, maybe do some unpeeling. So, yeah, thank you so much for doing that work. Um, this is maybe a question that could be really big but it could also be really small, small and beautiful and both is great. So I'll just leave you to take this wherever you like. But I wonder, like, what do you wish more people would
1: know about death and dying? Oh, gosh. I see what you mean by a big, big question or a small question. Um, I think you're so right that the more you know, maybe the more comf- comfort, you can feel surrounding the topic that's certainly true for me I think that education is a huge part of alleviating anxiety surrounding the topic um like I get questions all the time like well, what's it like to not be afraid of death and I say uh I don't know where you're getting that like I am afraid of death still <laughs> um Of course, we fear the unknown and no one can tell us what death is like, right? So the things that we can do are educate ourselves surrounding death and dying. So I'm talking about very, um, very simple things like what, you know, what can we do to just prepare to make it easier for, for our family and friends and ourselves? What can we do to educate ourselves about what actually happens to a body when it dies in, in certain ways. Um, what can palliative care offer us if we're anxious about that at the end of life? Um, because palliative care is, has come so far in, in a short amount of time in terms of medication management and, you know, keeping us comfortable without having us lose our sense of here-ness or our um, What's the word I'm looking for? Or, uh, you know, or wherewithal. Um, so I would say I wish that people knew how many res- resources are out there for education surrounding death and dying. And and also I want to say that um, I wish more people knew that they don't have to be embalmed and they can have a beautiful home funeral. They can have a long goodbye. They can spend time with their loved ones who have passed. They don't have to hand that over to a, a, a professional. You know, I think having professionals involved, like a doula who can facilitate in these rituals and, and home funerals, obviously that's, that, that might bring a great deal of comfort. But I think I wish that more people knew that they can take more control over the death experience. And there are lots of resources to help and assist along that, along that road.
0: Yes, I totally agree. Uh, when I first learned about what embalming actually is and what well, the alternatives are, my, my mind was completely blown. And Me too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm currently reading a book called The Natural Death Handbook.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, oh
0: that's so good such a good book yes so good so good and it goes into a lot of detail that some people might feel a bit weird but actually i'm so excited in a geeky way about it i'm just like whoa you know this is this is what you can do at home with ice packs and yes um this is you know the 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 footprint of different ways of handling a dead body and yeah um then kind of learning and looking up all these websites for natural burial sites in the UK has been really exciting and um mm-hmm. so yeah I think that's really beautiful and then also having a framework I think to be let through the process of making one's own arrangements and putting things in order and thinking about an advanced directive and that kind of stuff I think yeah is so soothing actually mm-hmm.
1: yeah I agree yeah. I think if people can become empowered and feel like they're in control of the situation that that would make a lot of people feel a lot better mm-hmm. about the whole situation and and yeah, I think the majority of anxiety just comes from not knowing what's going to happen or not knowing how to deal with something and it really is possible to become to to have a handle on it, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I could really talk to you forever but I want to respect your time and also the listeners time and I would love to maybe speak to you again later in the year and have a second interview to go a little bit deeper but before we go I would love to know what you're currently offering and where people can find you
1: yeah so my main website where you can read about me and what all that I do and all the services I offer is called Steady Waves EOL for End of Life so you can go to StudyWaves. EOL.com um, and my emails there and everything. But at the moment, I'm very focused on these virtual living funerals. So I've just built a website called virtual living funeral.com, and you can, uh, and that's also linked on my main website if you'd like to just check out both. But um, yeah, so steadywaves.eol.com and virtual living funeral.com are my main websites. And if you're in the US, um, you can just Call me if you'd like. My phone number is on my site, and um, yeah, or email is great too.
0: Oh dear, I was muted just now. Oops! I <laughs> are <laughs> so brave to allow people to call you. I would be way too anxious to put my phone number. Someone have like weird <laughs> moments on the phone, but please, <laughs> a great idea. <laughs>
1: i love i love connecting on the phone it's, it's there's such a sense of um like anything can happen <laughs>
0: yes exactly oh my god <laughs> yeah it's fun it's fun But so thank you so much for yeah for sharing today and for inviting actual phone calls i'm really mm. excited like i said to be connected to your work and to learn more and really grateful that we got to talk thank you so much thank
1: you thank
0: you so much